0: He'd be in there crowing, dude.
1: Is that how (laughs) a rooster sounds? (laughs) He wakes up every morning. It's like (laughs) involuntary.
0: Touchdown, Jesus approves.
2: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 007 of oh, the sweet. Debrief Podcast. The James exactly. Bond no, 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 of the Debriefs. No, no, no.
0: Oh, that's Mission Impossible yeah, That was my childhood hero. Now it's Jesus, but it was James Bond. <laughs> exactly, dude. Uh, the <laughs> Debrief
2: Podcast. wisdom from- and
1: stature. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah.
0: exactly. In favor with God and man.
2: We are your friends here at Sandals Church. I am Justin Pardee.
1: I am Stephanie Keene. And we
2: are here with the man, the myth, the legend, Pastor Matt Brown. Da. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i
1: <I'm practicing> that. <laughs> Um, anyway, so every week here on the podcast, we are taking questions from folks in our community groups here at Sandals Church and getting them in front of Pastor Matt so he can help us learn some more and dig a little deeper into the Bible.
2: So before we get into this week's questions, I just jumped into the iTunes store before we started. We now have 76 five-star reviews yes. and zero anything other than five stars.
1: That's like go to that Mexican food place on Yelp. Oh, yeah, that is right. Yeah, yep. exactly. And get the chimichanga.
2: Chicken, yeah. Get the chimichanga. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when in, when in doubt... Get a deep fried burrito covered in cheese. Uh, so hold on. We got, let me, let me hit you up with, we have some awesome reviews that came in since this last week. So the first one, this is great. This is from Harry Harold. I yes. love it. Yeah. Is Harry. He Her- like
1: your spirit animal?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go. So he structured it with a series of pros and cons. Con, after each episode, I spend about a half hour picking my mind up off the floor because it exploded. This <laughs> wow. eats into time for other activities. Uh, pros. Everything else. This podcast is great for anyone wanting a deeper understanding of God and the Bible. So thanks, Harry Harold. Okay, this we got another one. This is awesome from Matt Scott, aka Big Red. Yes. That's what it actually says <laughs> on the iTunes. Uh, it's really good and it gets me through math homework. This blows my mind. I can barely get through this podcast just sitting here trying to talk to you guys in
0: process.
1: I can yeah. barely do math Yeah, anything he's else doing, going on. Yeah, Big so.
0: Red's over there doing you know, fancy addition, yeah, clearly brilliant. Yeah, exactly, thank you for brilliant. coming to Sandals and raising our collective IQ. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly, it's probably doing long division. But while the CIA he's thinking about this, you should
1: probably recruit this guy, yeah. exactly.
2: Okay, one more from Lame Sauce Knox. The debrief, yeah, by the way, dude, don't come against yourself like that. Maybe you're awesome, sauce. The debrief is a great way to deeply explore Pastor Matt's sermon in the Sandals Church podcast form. I love the rapport between Pastor Matt, Justin, and Stephanie, as well as their offered insight. And here we go, guys. Please keep talking about food, Justin. I've yet to meet a person who
0: doesn't like to eat. It's not that you like to eat, it's that you worship food. That's the issue. Yeah. We like Jimmy Changa is the question (laughs) of the day. Well,
2: let's jump in. We got a whole bunch of questions this week, and this one's awesome. All of our questions this week are coming from Luke 11. Uh, Everyone has been ahead of the game this week. So we have a jam packed. Q&A time ahead of us.
1: We sure do. So I'm going to kick off with our first question that actually kind of ties with your sermon this weekend was pretty heavily on the portion of Luke 11 about prayer. So one question I have is uh, from Luke 11, 13. He says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And I think a lot of us look at that Verse in that passage, thinking that we can ask God for anything. Does this last verse mean that Jesus is only really talking about the Holy Spirit there?
0: Yeah, no, it it doesn't. So in in the gospel of Matthew, it's framed, your heavenly father will give good gifts to those who ask him. So Matthew chooses the terminology, good gifts. Luke uses the term, the greatest gift that we can receive, which is God's spirit within us. And so basically the whole point of that passage is we can trust God to be good. (laughs) So when we ask for something, uh, perhaps something evil, God's going to override that, and and He's going to give us something good because He loves us intrinsically. And so the point of that is Jesus is is telling us, man, your Father in heaven, you know, your Abba, your Father. Uh, we talked about Romans eight. He's going to give you the things you truly need. We we can trust God to be one hundred percent kind in the way that He responds to us. And so it doesn't mean you know that we're going to get everything that we ask for because sometimes, like I said, the answer is no, mm-hmm. um, or or the answer is wait, but. In this instance, you know we have to remember where, where Luke's taking us. He's going to take us to the book of Acts, and so what we need as human beings—the greatest need that we have—is God's Spirit living inside of us, and that can't happen until Christ dies on the cross, rises from the dead, and we wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Helper, the Paraclete, the great, the, the great Counselor. And so Luke is—we have to remember it. We can't just read the Gospel of Luke based upon the gospel of Luke. We must always read it in context with Acts. It's the same book, you know, volume one, volume two. And Mm -hmm. so he has a whole perspective that he's taking to. And so Luke has uh, adjusted uh, Matthew's rendering uh, of this story. And, And by adjusted, I mean, Jesus probably talked you know, for three years. So there's all kinds of material to pull from. So it's not like Jesus talked about this one time and there's only one way that they can quote him. There's many different ways where Jesus can teach the same principle and tweak it at Mm -hmm. the end in different ways. And so the principle here is, is that we can come to God persistently over and over again, asking God for what we think we need. And that's the key. Do you really believe that you need this? And if you do, Jesus says, come, act shamelessly, you know, just literally knock down the, the, the doors of heaven asking for what you want. And the promise here is that God will answer our prayer. And so again, don't get so caught up or wrapped up in, you know, am I going to get what I want or what I think I need? The point here is to, you know, repeatedly ask God for that and let him decide mm-hmm. because God's going to decide from his perspective, which he understands what we need and he understands what's good for us. So, to summarize, no, God's not just going to give you the Holy Spirit, but that is the greatest gift. And so the point here is the God who gives you the most incredible gift you could ever have, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living inside you, that same God wants you to come to him and ask for other things.
2: Mm-hmm. You just used the word paraclete. Yeah. What, what is that?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> so that's the Greek word helper. So that's the actual word that uh, the Gospel of John uses to refer in the Greek language to the Holy Spirit. And so that means helper, counselor, friend, um, advisor. So it can be translated in multiple ways. But um, that's what Jesus says in, um, I think it's John 14 and 15, when he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, I'm going to send you this helper. And that's what we need is, I mean, that's what we all need, right? To get through life is we need divine guidance, Mm -hmm. divine help. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job uh, is inside of us is to guide us and to teach us what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how to become like him in the way we think, act, and feel.
1: Okay,
2: so Misty actually wrote in and she asked, does the Holy Spirit enter us? Does God give us the Holy Spirit right when we're saved and become Christians, or does that happen at a different point in our spiritual maturity?
0: Right, so thank you, Misty. That's a great question. And the answer to that question really depends upon the theology of the church that you attend. I believe that the Bible is pretty clear, but my charismatic friends, whom I love very much, Uh, see this differently in many ways. Some charismatic, some of my charismatic friends uh, agree with me. What I believe the clear teaching of scripture is, is this, is that the moment you repent of your sin and you believe in Jesus Christ and you invite him into your life, I think that that's a real request that God answers. And it goes back to the question that Stephanie asks, right? Ask for anything and I will give you the Holy Spirit. So when we ask for Jesus, when we ask for God in our lives and we repent of our sins, the Bible guarantees that we will receive the Holy Spirit. So the moment we become born again, we become children of God. And that's the case that Paul's making in Romans eight, that we have placed, he has placed the spirit of God in our hearts that cries out, Abba, Father. We Mm -hmm. become a child of God and we have the full Holy Spirit in our lives. Not partial, we're not waiting for more, but we have the full Holy Spirit in our lives the moment we become saved. Now, here's where I think charismatics are right. Can you define charismatics
2: really quickly? Yeah,
0: charismatics are Pentecostals. There's all kinds of different uh, words to describe them, but they're they're churches that really emphasize the Holy Spirit. Um, And I think some of that's good and some of it's become bad. And so, you know, charismatic churches emphasize the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, uh, living in a vibrant connection with God's spirit in our lives. It's manifested through specific things that I don't want to get to in this podcast. Right. We'll get to it when we get to the book of Acts and we talk about the gift of tongues and and prophecy and all those things later on. So we'll need to cool. save that for later podcasts. But but that's what I mean by charismatic. So um, sometimes they used to be called holy roller churches. I don't know if that's right. what they're called anymore, but they're great people of God, great Christians of God, but they believe in a secondary experience. And so some, some, let me clarify, cause not all charismatics would agree with me on this. Um, they believe in a secondary experience with the Holy Spirit. So you have an experience with Christ and then there's a secondary experience. And we'll deal with that um, from my understanding as we get into the the book of Acts. I believe that when you become born again, instantaneously, you have the Holy Spirit in your life without measure. You're not not waiting for more of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Having said that, we all can experience different encounters with the Holy Spirit in Christ, in new ways, in radical ways, right? It's not just like you get one experience you're gonna have multiple experiences in your life with the Holy Spirit. But the the experience is with the Spirit that already resides in you. Mm -hmm. And so those are just encounters, deeper levels of awareness, uh, incredible experiences in worship, prayer, uh, through prophecy, all of those things can happen, but it's with the Spirit that's already inside you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not a believer in Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you because Jesus promised.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He promised that that you would have Him uh, the moment that you believed, and that's why he. That's actually how He comforts His disciples. He says, "He says, don't worry. Um, he, you know, I'm leaving," and He doesn't say, "And you might get the Holy Spirit." Yeah, He promises that you will receive the Holy Spirit, and um, and that's key for us as believers, is because we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. The Holy Spirit participates in our worship when we gather together collectively. Um, he is the presence of God that is with us now. So I don't know if that answers your question.
2: Yeah, I think it's good. That uh, was good. And we'll sounds like we'll t- continue to talk about that over the course of the year with the 252 series.
0: Yeah, and it's important that we address these issues as they come along so yeah. that we can we can experience that, especially in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit really takes center stage. So yeah. right now it's, it's about Jesus, yep. but Luke is telling us the Holy Spirit's coming, and he's dropping these little clues, just like when he says... Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, right? He's making those cases. The apostles in the book of Acts, full of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see this. And so the Christian, the born-again Christian, is full of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to see how that happens in the book of Acts. Cool.
1: Um, Keeping on the subject of prayer from Luke 11, Jesus and Jake's group had a question um, from verse 8. If you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So how long can we just... how can we discern an answer of no to our prayers versus to just keep on shamelessly persisting in prayer?
0: Yeah. So I would say if you believe that you need something, um, you know, pray, pray to the very end. So I have a good friend of mine that's battling cancer right now. Um, I love her very much. And, you know, we've been asking for healing and we've been praying for healing for over, I mean, I've been praying with her for gosh years. seven years, I think together, that we've been praying for her. And, um, you know, there's been, periods of remission, and then there's been periods where the cancer comes back in a fierce way.
2: Yeah.
0: And he, he, here's my advice to her, pray till you die, right? Pray till you die because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, until that point, God can can do anything. I mean, the truth is he can bring you back from the dead, but I think that we definitively have our answer, right? When, when we die, but you just keep praying, say, God, I wanna live, I, I wanna have children, I wanna get married, I want to uh, be healed of this, I want this relationship reconciled. Um, Lord, I need, I need this, this financial need taken care of. And we just repeatedly come to him until we, f- we hear from God, you know, no, stop asking for that. Or, or we, you know, in, in community group, and this is why community group, people who are praying with you is so important because you need other people around you that say, hey, I feel like we've gotten an answer here. And the answer is no. But right, mm-hmm. I mean, what's the answer in the story? No, go away. I mean, it's pretty clear. No, right? go away. What does Jesus say? Don't go away. Keep knocking, and so you know it's so important, um, Jesus, that you continue to pray because, like I shared in the sermon, persistence in prayer teaches you two things. Number one, it teaches you whether you really want it or not. And I think a lot of people, fundamentally, most of us, give up on prayer way too soon. That right. I would say that's the normative pattern. So we we pray once, we pray twice, we pray for a week, and we quit, and then we walk away embittered because we haven't fully understood the teaching of Jesus. Keep praying. Don't give up. And so here's why. So, number one, it teaches us whether or not we really want the bread in the story. Do you do you really need the bread? Or is this just, yeah, I kind of need some bread to feed my friend? And so the second thing is, is it will change your perspective of what you need. And so I shared the story of when, you know, Tammy and I were talking about divorce. I mean, there were huge things at stake here. We had two girls. I was a pastor of a church. You know, we we just didn't like each other at all. And, and it was really, really tough. And so I started off by praying, God fix Tammy, cause yeah. she's the problem, right? Yeah. Fix my wife, she's the problem. If, if you can fix her, then our marriage will be great. And then, you know, as I continued to pray for my marriage, cause I really wanted my marriage to be healed. I shifted from fix her to fix us, you know, fix our marriage. You know, which is kind of an admission, right? That it's not just all her. Yeah, There's some things that I need to change. And then ultimately God moved me from that point to God fix me. I really began to see that, okay, I have I have the dominant role in the problem in our marriage. God changed me. And so that's why I think we need to continually pray because through the process of persistence prayer, we change and God will get us to the place where we can ask for what he wants to answer. And what I believe he wants to answer is, he wants to answer the question that will meet our deepest need. And oftentimes the initial prayer is nowhere close to what we need. Right. And so God has to change our heart Ultimately, you know, through the process of persistent prayer, you're going to be changed as you continually knock on that door. Yeah. You know, so again, so, you know, I would bring community in. What are they saying? You know, ha- have you heard a no? So I think your question was, you know, is it moral? Is it biblical? Is this something that's in line with God's scripture? If it is, man, pray it till you die.
2: Mm-hmm. You yeah, man, I can't help but think to just like what your relationship with God personally would, would grow, like just literally standing there, you know, like year after year after year, even if the answer does end up ultimately being a no, like your yeah. friend that you're saying.
0: And I think so much, you know, in our culture, you know, we've confused God with Santa Claus or a genie in the bottle, right? We ask once and boom, you know, we get what we want. And part of the po- your posturing in prayer, right? Jesus said, pray this way. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's the dad, you're not. He's in heaven, you're not. Make sure that you remember you know, how much higher he is than you. And so much of our prayer is demanding, condescending to God. You know, I hear people all the time, I'm so angry at God. Well, as soon as I hear that, they clearly have forgotten where they are, where God is, who they are, and mm-hmm. who God is. And I'm not saying there haven't been times in my life where I haven't been frustrated with God, but I can guarantee you, in those moments where I was angry with God, I had forgotten who God is mm-hmm. and who I am. I, I had forgotten the role. And... I think a lot of times in prayer, we pray like we're equal. In yeah. some cases, we pray like God's God needs to be submissive. And I think those are not, you know, th- those are not godly prayers. Right. So we need to be humble and submissive, even in prayer, because God's God and he can say no. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't. He can say no. Uh,
1: this next question is actually kind of on the subject of hearing from God then. So Alan asked, I keep hearing Pastor Matt say that we should be terrified to hear God speak, but I've grown up hearing that God longs to speak with us and that we sh- we should seek to hear his voice. The two stories that come to my mind are of Elijah at the mouth of the cave when God came in a whisper, and Samuel when he answered God's voice saying, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Can you shed a little light on why you've been saying we should be afraid to hear from God?
0: Yeah, so thank you, Alan. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to push back against a Christian culture that assumes God is this friendly, calm puppy in heaven. And I think that's kind of the image that we have of Mm -hmm. God. And so there are two two problems with his understanding that he's been taught to want to hear God's voice. Number one, the assumption is, that it's always soft and it's always gentle. Mm -hmm. I think his examples about Samuel and about Elijah, you know, okay, let's take those examples. So, um, you know, the, the example of Elijah. So yeah, there was a whisper, but what preceded that? okay, fire on the mountain, yeah, a storm. earthquakes, you know, where, where literally the mountain almost comes to its knees and wind that blew rocks, you know, off the face of the mountain. It was still a terrifying experience. right? And so God scared him to death and then spoke in a whisper in a still small voice. And so what I would say there is, yeah, that was a calming voice, but God scared the holy crap out of him before the conversation right. started. Then with Samuel, I think that's a great example. And, and Samuel is I mean, Samuel's an incredible person, right? So Luke 2, 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God, in favor with men. A lot of people don't know this, but that verse occurs in the Old Testament and it's talking about Samuel. Samuel mm. grew in favor with God, you know, in, in, in wisdom and in stature and, and in favor with others. It's, I mean, Samuel is an example of a Christ-like figure in the Old Testament. And so what I would say is, are we Samuel? I, n- no, I don't think that's a normative behavior. I, I Here's what I'm saying, Alan. We need to quit thinking that God's our buddy. And we need to remember that God is God. And when he speaks, things happen. And so, you know, Alan, you're right. There are gonna be moments that if we need to hear a tender voice, if we need to hear a calm voice, if we need to be still, right? Psalms 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Then yeah, God's gonna speak to us in that way. But there's two things. Number one, you know, I don't think people pray because they expect to hear God's voice and they get discouraged very quickly. And so, Alan, what I would say is there are people in the Bible who wait their whole life. Zechariah at the temple, they wait their yeah. whole life being faithful, waiting to hear the voice of God, and they hear it once. And so we're like, well, that's the normative pattern of behavior, and what that makes people feel like who haven't heard an audible voice is, oh, I'm missing out, or I don't have a relationship with God, or God's not real. And let me tell you, that's not the truth. God is real whether you hear from him or not. Right. Right. And so the purpose of prayer, Alan, is not for you to hear from God, it's for God to hear from you. And so that's why we need to repeatedly go before God, knocking at the door, asking for what we want. I mean, right, so look at it in the context of Luke 11. The assumption is you gotta knock a long time to hear your answer, so keep knocking. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, we need to have a healthy respect for God and we need to be aware that when God speaks, when God moves, it's usually, Alan, very, very scary in the Bible. That's the normative behavior. The examples that you used, yeah, okay. There are some times where, where God speaks in a gentle, small voice, but that is not the normal encounter that people have w- with God. It's usually a terrifying experience, even if it's just an angel, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the word is not coming directly from God. It's coming via you know, the US post office from heaven, yes. okay? The angels, that's what they are. They're the post Pony office Express. workers. <laughs> you know, the Pony Express, you know UPS, whatever. Even then it's scary. And that's not even a direct word from the Lord. It's coming via a messenger. And even that is like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And so um, we just need to have, you know, a healthy, healthy, healthy respect from God. One of my favorite worship bands, uh, you know, they sing this song, God, I want to see your glory. Glory, I'm not afraid. And I hate that. Hmm because we should be afraid to see his glory. We we should be terrified. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that the cross teaches us as we approach Easter is the cross shields us from the wrath of God. Yeah. And right. Thank you, Jesus, for covering me from that horrific wrath that I deserve. Right. And, um, you know, and so we, we just, so Alan have a healthy respect of God and yeah, you know, I think that there are times and moments when God can be very, very gentle and very, very loving. And and certainly the, the, the scriptures are full of that. I don't think that's the problem in the church today. I think the problem is we always assume that God's this puppy dog in heaven, this soft and always gentle lamb. And we need to realize that he's both the lion and the lamb. And so what I'm trying to do is to push people, A, to not think that you have to hear God's voice. And if you do, to be prepared. For it to be very, very frightening.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I can't help but think too that Samuel is just a little boy. And I would imagine that a, a voice, no matter how gently it was speaking in the middle of the night, out loud, audibly yeah, to it was you, a little scary. would actually probably be kind of scary too.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay. Well, there's this whole chunk in the middle of Luke 11 where there's this demonic exchange that's going on. So, first of all, Jesus casts out this demon and people accuse him of doing it by the power of the devil. And um, uh, so verses 15 through 19 say, but some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And I'm assuming that is the devil, right? Yeah. Okay. So while others detest him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself... How will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? So, really quickly, there, Jesus is being accused of partnering with the devil. He's responding there, but then he also says, "You guys are doing this too." Mm-hmm. What what is happening here?
0: Yeah. So there's a lot going on in that text, and and you know, I think at your first couple reads through Luke 11, you're probably going to miss um, just the nuances of what are happening here. So one of the problems that Jesus's enemies have with him is they can't they can't deny the miracles that he's doing so what do you do they what they do is they attribute the miracles that he's doing to the power of Satan so mm-hmm. yes he has power but he's doing this by the power of Satan and it's amazing to me The links that we will go to as human beings to deny who Jesus is, Hmm. and I see this all the time. Why people won't be Christians? Why they won't place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? They will come up with the most ridiculous reasons as to why. Uh, You know, it can be some. You know, well, I got hurt, or I met this Christian that was whatever, and and they will go to enormous lengths to free themselves from the responsibility of repenting of their sins and giving Hmm. their life to Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening here. And this is how far you know our hardened hearts will go to deny Jesus' sovereign authority in our lives. Um, you know, well, the the only way that Jesus is kicking out demons is because he is a demon. I mean, that's what they're saying. Right. The, the, you are demonic, Jesus. And, and Jesus is saying, that's ridiculous. How, you know, how on earth is Satan's kingdom going to be powerful at all if they go around fighting each other? And he's saying that, that no kingdom can can survive if they're fighting each other. And then he flips it on them and he says, well, then, if I kick out demons, but you know, only by the power of the devil, then how are you guys doing this? And what's amazing here is it's not just Christians who can kick out demons. Apparently, Jews, you know, had the authority and the power to kick out demons as well. Right. And so uh, he really f- turns that on them to examine their own disciples and their own reasons for trying to heal people. And so it's really, really a tragic passage that reveals the hardness of human hearts that we will go to any lengths. To not have to submit to Jesus, and it's just tragic because those people are probably in hell today mm-hmm. because you know they, they, they had to say, "You're Satan in order to figure out a way not to submit to his power and authority, and that's terrifying today. You know we need to look at our lives, you know what links am I going to to not allow Jesus to be the ruler and the king that he is in my life mm-hmm. Okay, so this encounter
2: goes on after all this. Jesus kind of starts talking about demons. And he says, this is verses 24 through 26 in Luke chapter 11. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So, Misty wrote in, and she basically says, yikes, (laughs) um, how do we go about protecting ourselves from this? And then she's obviously listened to episode four, where we kind of first start talking about demons, and she asked, since Christians can be subject to demonic influence, does this apply to those of us who are believers and have been saved?
0: Yeah, absolutely not. So, um, you know, a born-again Christian cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. And so let, let's talk about this. And, you know, this, you know, you got to put on your thinking caps here and, and be ready for your mind to be blown because there's a lot going to go on here. So that's yeah, the, thank you. I hope that doesn't sound, that's not the <laughs> sound when your brain blows. Um, but, uh, you know, so let's talk about demons. And so one of the things that we need to understand about all God's creation is all God's creation uh, in terms of living beings are embodied beings. So angel, one of the things you need to notice is that angels never seek to possess because they they are embodied spirits. Demonic spirits seem to be disembodied spirits. And so one of the things that, you know, and, and I can't prove this, but this is one of the things that I think is, is that part of the the fall, so when Satan rebelled against God and he and all of his followers were cast out of heaven, I think that there was a spiritual death that occurred there. Okay. So the Bible talks about the second death in the book of Revelation that you don't want to experience a second death. So when we look at death as human beings, when we die, right? Why do we die? We die because of sin. So the consequence of sin is death, the Bible says. So every single one of us, because we're sinners, will experience a physical death. So what happens at death? Our spirit is separate from our body, mm-hmm. from our body, not our body, from our body. And so what I think happened when Satan and um His demons rebelled against God and they were cast out. They experienced a spiritual death. They experienced a disembodiment. And so, what happens is now they are wandering spirits, and every spirit is meant to be embodied. And so, because they don't have bodies, they want to embody humans, they want to embody um, pigs, you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, or places, they're looking for some place to find rest. And so Jesus says that they go out into the desert and into the waterless places, right? To the place of suffering. And it's awful and it's terrible. And so they come back. And so here's what's huge, is this person has been um, exercised of their demons, but they have not received the spirit of Christ. They, do, they have not received the Holy Spirit inside them. And so that's problematic because what happens here is this person has received a miracle of God, but they have not repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so I think that what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing the finger at his accusers in the previous verse. He says, look, you guys are running around exercising demons, which is a good thing. The problem is you're not replacing... you know, those demons uh-huh. with the best thing, which is the Holy Spirit, because you guys are sinners. And so he often refers to him as the blind leading the blind, hypocrites. I and mean, he has some really, really ugly words for them yes. because their hearts are not right. And so what he's saying is you're actually doing more damage because when that person is healed of that demon and they don't place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the demon's gonna come back with more and now the demons are gonna come in and they're going to become permanent residents. And so the word that Jesus used here Uh, to describe, you know, to take up residence is the same word that the Apostle Paul uses uh, in the New Testament to describe us as Christians being filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we receive, when we're we're full of the Holy Spirit, it's a permanent situation. We become a child of God and the Holy Spirit is within us. And so what's so scary about this passage is this seems to indicate that these people are now in a permanent situation of possession. And that's terrifying Mm -hmm. and it's awful. So we have to make sure that we don't just go around, you know, rebuking evil spirits, but we are we are telling people to receive the Holy Spirit. And how do you do that? By repenting of your sins and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and inviting God into your life. And so that's what we need to make sure is that we, we're we not just exercising demons, but we're preaching the gospel. People need both. Demons need to be kicked out and the Holy Spirit needs to be invited in. And that's huge. So, you know, as a born again Christian, do you need to worry about this state? Absolutely not you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and and it's not going to share rooms. It's not going to. So I shouldn't say it. He is not going to. The Holy Spirit's a person. We'll get into that in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is not an it. So.
2: Got it. Okay. So right after all of this happens, this lady yells out to Jesus and uh, she raised her voice and says to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So as I was reading it, it, kind of almost sounds like Jesus is maybe dishonoring his mom here a little bit which is like a 10 commandments.
0: Yeah, no, this is a little weird. It's kind of like a Donald Trump rally. It's just kind of bizarre, right? <laughs> there's just there's people in the audience who say weird things. Okay, right? you're just right. like, "Whoa." Uh, you know, and Jesus is not responsible for, you know, what everyone says out loud, but Okay. You know, Luke thought it was interesting so he put it in the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> it's like
1: remember when this happened? Yeah, yeah I mean,
0: this is just like a, you know, one of those fans is a little off. You're like, "Oh, okay. They're yeah. on our team." Well, you know, not sure that we love this, but Yes. <laughs> um you know, she just said something weird, you know, blessed are the breasts that nursed you and the womb that, you know, brought you forth. And, and okay, thanks, you know. And so, you know, for those who, are, you know, who, um, who grew up in a Catholic background, um, which, you know, there's wonderful things about Catholicism, but one of the things they teach you is, you know, really to overly emphasize, you know, the purity and nature of Mary. And, and in our tradition, I think we underemphasize, you know, how awesome she is, but in the Catholic tradition, they overemphasize. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, man. We're, I'm not here to draw attention to who my mom is. We're not here to worship her. Let's talk about the real things. You know, blessed are those who are my followers. Those hmm. are the people that are okay. really blessed, those who are born again. So I don't think it's a it's a notch against Mary. I think there's a nut job in the audience and Jesus is trying to like, okay, let's not get carried away. That was a little weird comment. You know, what we're here to do is build a family and the family that I'm building and the people that I want to celebrate is not the one who gave, who gave me birth, but those who experience a second birth, those who are born again, those who are born by the Spirit. And so I think that's what Jesus is saying there. Got it. That makes sense.
1: Uh, So moving toward kind of the end of Luke 11, um, in verses 49 and 51, it says, God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. So Matt has a question. This seems to suggest that Abel, who I'm assuming is son of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel were brothers. Um, He says, this seems to suggest that Abel was a prophet. Is that true? If so, do we know any of his prophecies?
0: Yeah, so not from our Christian traditions. And so, um, and what I mean by that is as Christians, you know, we have the 66 books that we deem as authoritative. You know, in Judaism, there are other books that seem to indicate, you know, other things about other people. And so there's a lot of sayings about, um, you know, different individuals in Jewish traditions and in Jewish books that we don't see as inspired, and so in those books, you know, they will attribute to Abel, um, you know, some kind of prophetic like state. I think Abel's an awesome person. I, I, I'm just not aware of any scriptures in the Bible that would attribute him as a prophet. So what I'll do this week is uh, I'll do some research on that and see what I can find because, there's, like Ooh, I said, there's all kinds right. of of writings that the uh, the Jews will attribute to as something special and unique, and perhaps scripture that he might be in there. But Well, can I, can I like, ask
2: this question? Um, I mean, Abel is, in many ways, kind of an example of obedience to God, yeah. like, right? Because he, do, he he, in contrast with his brother, is worshiping God the way that God has yeah, asked absolutely. to be. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, that to me feels like, at least at the very least, an example. I don't know if that's... Yeah, no, absolutely. Prophetic. He's
0: an example. I mean, and he provoked his brother to jealousy because... His brother was jealous of the unique relationship that he had with God. And so I think that's absolutely, you know, true in that sense that, you know, the guy was an awesome follower and believer in God. So. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to this.
2: There's this chunk where Jesus is talking in verses 33 through 34, and I'll just, I'll just read these. No one after lighting a lamp, Jesus says, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who, may, who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Um, This almost sounds like a little bit mystical or something. What is Jesus talking about with light and dark and...
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, here's the first thing I would say. You know, we live in a world and a culture with new age, uh, you know, kind of self-actualization, self-realization. And a lot of those teachings, you know, you need to discover the light kind of that's within you. And we need to know as Christians, yeah, that that is not a biblical... Concept. There is no light within you. That the light that we need, according to Jesus, is an external light. He is the light. And so that's what he talks about. No one lights a light in their home and then hides it. It's the first thing that you see as you come into the house so that there's not darkness and you don't stumble and fall. The light for us as Christians is something that we display, it's something that we share, it's something that others are to see. So this light is an external thing. And so you know this text is, is is powerful because he says, "Be careful that the light that you have is not in fact darkness." And so, mm-hmm. oftentimes, right when people talk about, "Well, I just live by," you know, what I think is true or what I think is right, what are they living by? They're living by an internal light, an internal compass. And Jesus is saying, "You got to be careful because that thing that you think is internal that's guiding you, what if it's darkness? Then, then you are way way off." And so. You know, the eye is a precious thing. It needs to be able to see accurately. It needs to be able to see what what is really light and what is really darkness. And and the truth is our eyes don't work properly. That's why Jesus Christ came in, in terms of seeing things that are spiritual. Jesus Christ came to heal the blind, not just phys, the physical blind, but the spiritually blind. And he refers to the Pharisees as blind guides. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with their physical eyes, right. but there's something incredibly wrong with their spiritual eyes. And so not only you know, this is what's so tragic is not only are they not gonna get into heaven, but they're gonna keep other people from getting into heaven because they're blind guides and they're leading people in the wrong directions. And so we gotta be careful that our internal compass is not the light that we look to, but that Christ constantly remains a light, that we're looking to him and he shows us what's dark. You know, he shows us what's light and we wanna see his light permeate everything inside our house, everything inside our body. We We want God to reveal everything in us that's darkness that needs to be rid of. So I love that passage, but it's so important that we understand that we are not the light, Christ is. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, this kind of reminds me, Stephanie, you wrote an awesome blog post on the Cultivate website at cultivate.sc talking about, you know, learning to... Yeah,
1: like not listen to your heart. Yeah. Because I think you've said that before, that blew my mind one time. Like, you know, follow your heart is the worst advice someone could give you. And that, it took me a long time to really understand what that meant. Yeah, I I have destroyed
0: my life by following my heart, right? Because your heart... (laughs) your heart is the most selfish organ in your life, right? It wants what it wants. And, and and the truth is, you know, it doesn't care what's right and wrong. It it doesn't. I mean, right, the heart makes you jealous. The heart makes you lustful. The heart the heart makes you, I mean, I've seen people, right, follow their heart and destroy their kids. Follow their heart, destroy their marriage. Follow yeah. their heart and, and throw their life away. I mean, follow your heart, you end up in jail. Yeah. I mean, it's the worst advice you could possibly give somebody. What you want to follow is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells us, You know, don't listen to your heart, man, because the Bible says, Jeremiah says that the heart is utterly deceitful and wicked. No one knows how wicked it is. I mean, think about this, passions of the heart. Those are the worst crimes. Mm -hmm. Those are the worst things that people do. And uh, we we gotta be really, really careful. And so I I haven't read your blog post, but I will. And that's great because I think a lot of us, in our culture says follow your heart. And that's, it sounds so right and it's so wrong. Yeah. Yeah, follow Jesus. Good advice.
1: Um so at the end of Luke 11 uh, Jesus is kind of starting to call out the Pharisees and you know you're talking about them as blind guides um and he has this chunk in there that says what sorrow awaits you Pharisees for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore justice and the love of God you should tithe yes but do not neglect the more important things What's Jesus talking about here with tithing Do
2: I need to start an herb garden yeah, should and bring, I, like, my, bring spices my spices to from the
1: store and kind of shake them in yeah. the, the buckets yeah.
0: yeah please do not start an herb garden uh-huh. So Aww.
1: Oh, I think your wife would actually really
0: like yeah, that. Yeah, she probably would. Yeah. Okay, maybe then start one. Okay. <laughs> Listen to your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's always amazing to me is, uh, you know, people say that Jesus never talks about tithing and he does. And so um, I'm a tither. If you don't know what tithing is, tithing is the, the the spiritual practice of giving 10% of your income to God. I've been doing it my whole life. Um, so let me summarize why, um, you know, I tithe. I summarize this way because... um, Abraham started it, right? He's the father of our faith. Moses commanded it. He puts it in the law. Malachi says, God blesses it. Um, in the gospel of Luke right here, Jesus affirms it. The apostle Paul in his writings, he expects it. And then the last point is, and this is like a whole sermon, the church needs it. If we didn't have tithers, there wouldn't be a Sandals church. So everybody who wants to be judgmental about tithers, without tithers, there is no church anywhere in the world. Yeah. And so I think tithing is a beautiful, blessed practice that I would encourage everyone to, to at least wrestle through and pray with. And I think, I think like I said, you know, it, it, it has such incredible biblical support. And so you know, tithing is, is just incredible practice. It's a great honor. It's a great way to uh, worship God. It's something that Tammy and I have done since the very beginning of our relationship when we had no money. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful blessing and, and something that I appreciate doing. What Jesus is saying here is that we have to be careful in religious practice. Sometimes we can get so caught up in getting everything religiously right that we get everything religiously wrong. And so we focus on the little things. And so, okay, let's say you're a tither. Let's say you attend church every week. Let's say, you know, you're 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 serving God regular regularly by working and volunteering at the church, but you're terrible to your wife or mm-hmm. you're you're an awful person at work or you're grumpy or, you know, you don't care for those who are poor and those who are in need. It it doesn't matter how much we get right if our heart's still wrong. And so here's these people that are being incredibly careful to do everything that God's law says, and yet their hearts are, are wicked and their hearts are ugly and awful. And so I can be a tither and still not be a generous person. Hmm. And I, I meet people like this, right? They're tithers, they're religious tithers, and they're not generous. Mm-hmm. Generosity is the spirit of God. The Bible says that God loves a hilarious giver, someone who loves to give. And so that's why I like to be generous and I like to give. You know, my generosity doesn't end at 10%. You know, my wife and I, we give 10% to the church. We also support local missionaries. I love to support what other people are doing, kids that go on missionary trips. I love love to help the homeless. I love to be a generous person. I would rather give my money to something that God blesses than spend all my money on myself. And I just think that that's so important. And so, you know, here's these people that are tithing and Jesus says, yeah, that's a good thing. Keep doing that but don't stop doing that but you've neglected the greater things you know love mercy kindness you know there's there's all these adjectives here that d- that describe you know the right kind of heart and so we have to be careful as christians that we don't just go through the motions you know god is not impressed with the things we do if it's divorced from where our heart is and so we don't want to you know tithe go to church serve you know, study the Bible to earn God's favor. You've already received God's favor through your faith in Jesus Christ. We do these things because we have the love of Christ in us and through us. And so the Pharisees didn't have it. You know, the Pharisees didn't have the love of Christ in their hearts. They didn't have the love of God in their hearts, even though they were doing, trying to do everything that God asked. Isn't that amazing? We can try to do everything that God is asking us to do, but we can still be a terrible follower of God. So yeah, you should tithe, and if you don't, you know you. I, I just think you're missing out on blessings. But just because you're a tither doesn't mean that you're getting everything right.
2: Got it. You've actually talked more about this um, on our website. If you just search tithing, you'll hear Pastor Matt talk about that in yeah. in more than two minutes. Yeah, a lot
0: of Christians get worked up about it, and you know they they try to find all these ways. And I hear Christians talk about oh, grace giving, and that's great. But I've never met a person who gives under grace that gives more than 10%. They always seem to figure out a way to give less. And I think that's tragic and sad. And it shows that you're still selfish, hmm. um, right? I mean, Christ gave everything to me. I'm not gonna give 10% to him. I mean, come on. right? It, to me, it's just absolutely silly. And um, you know, I don't like to talk about that all the time at church because it's important that we not talk about money a lot at church because that turns people off. But those of you who are listening to the debrief, you've taken this seriously, you wanna grow deeper, You're not going to grow deeper with God until you start worshiping God with your money. You're not because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. And so if you're not giving your treasure to the Lord, the Lord is not your treasure. That's just the reality. And so, you know, it's something that you need to deal with. If you're a single person, you need to look at your finances. If you're married, you need to figure it out together as a couple because our money shows us where our priority is, where our heart is. And Jesus said, you can't love both God and money. You're going to love one and hate the other, and you've got to choose. And so to me, it's an enormous blessing to be able to give what I'm able to give to the church and to support God's kingdom because, like I said, Jesus gave everything to me. It is my pleasure and joy to give to him, and I think tithing is a great way to start that. And again, there's no Sandals Church. If our tithers disappear tomorrow, the church closes the next week. That's the reality. Yeah.
2: Um, and you know what? I love that you just talked about people who are listening to the debrief, and we even shared, you know, in services this last weekend that the only reason, really, we're able to make this podcast happen every week, it's totally not free. Yeah, you know, because for because us, of for generosity. Is, yeah, and so far, the generosity has been really awesome this year, and that's yeah. And so, us for to those this. of you
0: that do, Ty, thank you very much. You know, I can't be here without you. There's, there's no way I'm not here without you, and um, and I'm grateful to you, and and I just, you know, I just love the people of our church that are so generous, because I think that's the heart of God. I mean, yeah. we worship a generous God, right? The most famous verse in the Bible, for God to love the world that he gave. You know, generosity is an act of God, you know, uh, hoarding things, keeping things to yourself. That's the kingdom of Satan, man. That, that's what, sa- Satan is all about himself. Um, and we wanna be all about God and blessing others. And, um, and that's the beautiful thing of the tithe is, right? It's 10% based upon whatever you make. And so we're all contributing the same amount. Right. And um, and that's exciting to me. Yeah. So thank you, all of those of you who are generous and give your tithes and your offerings to St. Church. That's how we built this building. Right. That's how we have this podcast. That's how we send out our missionaries, you know, all over the world. That's how we fund everything. Totally. So, you know, there's no magic, uh, we don't have money mana that drops from heaven every week, but it's people that write checks and, you know, put us on their um what do you call it, on their regular giving? Yeah, theme. their
2: auto pay. And yeah, all auto pay and stuff,
0: stuff yeah. like that. I mean, that's, that's how Sandals Church exists. Totally. So, Here's you. the deal. I'm
2: going to go ahead and just say this. If you are listening to the debrief, part of Sandals Church and you are not giving yet, you can learn more about how to do that if you want to at uh, sandalschurch.com slash giving. And one of the cool things that we've done on there is there's literally kind of a chart we've broken down what happens with every single penny of every single dollar that is given here at Sandals Church. So you can see where that is going and how that is being used here in the church. And there at sandalschurch.com slash giving, if like you're hearing Pastor Matt talk and you want to figure out how to be generous, we can get you connected to. Awesome people within the church, really cool volunteers that are on the team here that would sit down with you if you're in financial uh, trouble, you're trying to figure out how to set up a budget, all that kind of stuff. You can do all of that online through the website and uh, get some help straightening out your financial situation so you can become generous. So, Yes. Cool. Well, this is awesome. Thank you so much to everybody who's sending in questions. This was a great round from chapter 11. Next week, we will be on Luke chapter 12. But if you've got questions that have come from the past, feel free to send those in as well. But we would love to hear some more from Luke chapter 12. It's going to be a good weekend
0: next week. Yeah, we're going to be talking about anxiety uh, and fear. And so Jesus talks a lot about that in Luke 12. So you know, if anybody, you know anybody struggling with anxiety, fear, depression, that's going to be a great week for them to tune in and to listen because Jesus has a lot to say about how to overcome um, really an emotion that plagues us as Americans, absolutely. So
2: Awesome. It will be a good, good week. And seriously, thank you so much to everybody who is sharing the podcast with your friends, who is leaving have been leaving reviews and ratings in iTunes. If you can do that for us, it's super helpful. You can literally do it in less than 90 seconds. If you're listening to the podcast in the iTunes app on your phone, just literally go to that podcast page by searching for the debrief. And if you scroll right down, you'll see a button that says, Write a review. You can do it in under a minute and it's super helpful for getting more people to see and learn about the debrief. Well, all right, let's close with Pastor Matt. We're going to get your thoughts on an inspirational quote. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes, I've been scouring Pinterest. This has been really fun. Okay, here's one. If you love something, let it go. If it comes back to you, it's yours forever. If it doesn't, it was never meant to be.
0: I think I might hate that quote.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Just tell us how you really feel.
0: No, no, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means.
2: <laughs> well, it sounds—it sounds, it sounds like, like that quote was never yours to begin with.
0: <laughs> yeah, excellent. All right, we love I you. Mean, guys. I say, I would say, if you love something, pursue it with all your heart. Well, okay, yes. <laughs> awesome. You know, go after it, man. Jeez, let it go. I
1: feel that, like the ladies. Let, let frozen. it go. Yeah, oh, look, yeah there exactly. It is.
0: Yeah, dude. All of a sudden,
2: all of a sudden, my daughter is now going to start listening to this yeah. podcast. I'll tell her. Pastor Matt was <laughs> singing Elsa. Excellent. We love you guys. Have a awesome week, and we will see you right back here next week for. The debrief.